This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Ryan Bruss. Thank you, Sid. Today on Messianic Vision, our guest is Bill Dennington. And I tell you, Bill, this book that you wrote, Breaking the Stronghold of Iniquity, has really blessed me because uh, it opened my eyes to many different things about generational impact of sin on our lives and things like that. And and you teach uh, clearly that, listen, when you're born again, Jesus came, he, he saved you, you go from darkness to light, God, you, your, your eternal home is heaven, and you just make that so clear in your book, and I love it. But then, you, Bill, you go into talking about how that is the most powerful thing that it could ever happen to a person. However, though the salvation experience was so powerful, we still got to take care of some soulish things that are in our lives and in our, in our bloodline. Is that correct? Absolutely. Uh, in fact, I was just uh, talking along these lines uh, Sunday in, in our Sunday service that uh, there are actually three places in the New Testament letters that speak of our responsibility to purify ourselves, to cleanse ourselves, and to purge ourselves. And all three of those are speaking to the element of the things that we have to do where mind renewal is concerned, and then also dealing with the matters of of the flesh. And when we're talking about iniquity, we are actually talking about the aspect of generational iniquity that where uh, behavioral patterns and even mindsets have passed down and developed in a in a sinful way that uh, are actually legal in nature that give our enemy, uh, the devil, functioning as the adversary, a legal right to tempt family members in a particular area of sin. So uh, we talk about crime families and uh, families where certain uh, a predisposition to certain sins seem to be prevalent. Well, all that is is representative of this bloodline iniquity, and Jesus bore our sin, transgression, and iniquity on the cross and paid the price for our freedom and deliverance. In the area of iniquity, uh, we have to identify those areas that we see our generational patterns and go before the Lord through repentance to break the back of that, and it's a powerful way to not only get personal deliverance, but as I'll share my testimony a little later in the interview, I discovered that it will deliver my children of the very same thing, and they weren't even around when I got free. Okay, see, that that is the thing that touched me probably the most out of your entire teaching, because I'm a father, I have a, I have a daughter in college, I have a son in high school, and when you when you teach what God has shown you and what you walk through and how it affects your children, uh, it, it's life-changing. So those of you who are listening right now, 
I'm telling you, if you're if you're a son or a daughter, which you are, or you're a grandmother, a father, or mother, or grandfather, and you have kids or grandkids, this teaching is an absolute must because how you deal with things in your life, in your bloodline, is going to completely affect the rest of your family. And what you're going to hear in a moment is that those family members don't even have to be in your in the room when you take care of business because of how powerful the, these prayers and this this breaking of this iniquity is. Now, uh, Bill, you were born again February 13th, 1977. Talk about that for a moment, that whole experience. Yes. Um, I was raised in a Christian home and environment, and um, I like to say it wasn't my mom and dad's fault that I turned out like I did there for a while. It was it was in spite of, and I was I was not uh, very obedient with with following in the track that they wanted me to go in. And uh, at that point in my life, I was coming uh, on the backside of about seven years of total rebellion against my parents and against all my Christian heritage, and uh, in, in what they raised me in. And I was a borderline alcoholic. Uh, which, by the way, I will, uh, when I talk about the testimony, alcoholism was a major thing in both of my bloodlines, uh, my dad's and my, my mother's. And I was suffering under the effects of that. The anger also was was one of those things that was a bloodline issue that had effect, had shown up in me when I was just a little child. But uh, I, I got born again uh, and filled with the Spirit uh, on February the 13th, 1977, uh, right here in the house that I'm actually living in today, and uh, immediately uh, had a hunger for God, a hunger for His Word, and had actually at the age of nine knew that I was called to the ministry, and that calling really began to, to speak to me in the months after I got born again, and I began to pursue uh, the training necessary to go into the ministry. Uh, I went to Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas, Texas. I went to uh, Rama Bible Training Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and then began to uh, make myself available in uh, the church here in in Atlanta. So let me jump in here, uh, Bill. The these wonderful ministry assignments that you were on, these churches, it, it was it was powerful. And this is all in your book. This is not something like, ooh, you know, we're, we're telling on, on Bill. You you uh, shared this openly, and it's so appreciative uh, because of how transparent you were. During all these ministry engagements, traveling, pastoring, you had a problem behind the scenes. And what was that? Let me let me talk about the, the, the issue of anger, because that was the most prevalent and prominent issue that I had to, to deal with from early on uh, when I was just a little, little guy, uh, not even a toddler, just, just crawling, not even walking yet, and then all through my toddler years, uh, my mother saw that when I would get frustrated and angry as a as a small child like that I would I would beat my head in on into the floor 
to such an extent that during those years I would go around with a puffy mark on my on my forehead because I literally would sometimes hit my head hard enough to bruise myself. And it was out of just pure the anger and uncontrollable anger at that small age. Well that's not that's not normal. No. That's that's something that is exhibiting as a result of a mindset and an influence that is coming into me out of a generational pattern. My mother had a very, uh, very short and very strong temper. My my dad did too. They both were raised in in a background where anger was very much a part of the culture of their upbringing. And I don't know how far back it went, but I would imagine that at least two or three generations of that type of a culture developed a what I'm calling a bloodline iniquity that was being passed down through the family. And when I got born again and filled with the Spirit, on that day I got delivered supernaturally from a an addiction to nicotine, I loved tobacco, all forms of it didn't matter. I was I was literally addicted to tobacco, and I got supernaturally delivered from that on the day I got born again, and I got supernaturally delivered from alcoholism, but I did not get delivered from the anger, and so I went on into the ministry dealing with this this short fuse of a of a temper then i got married and the first 5 to 7 years of of my marriage to my wife lori was i mean it was not good at all because i literally could not find the brake pedal to the anger when it when it would energize and it's just the unadulterated mercy of God that kept us together. We just celebrated 38 years of marriage and in January, and our relationship is better than it's ever been before. Well, let, let me jump in here, Bill. There, there's a place in your story, and I, I think I'd like to jump here real quick and then jump back into the story. Yes. You, you were set free from alcoholism, tobacco, not anger, and you teach that because of your faith upbringing, faith in God, you know, the Word of God, praying. I'm saying it not the way you say it in the book, but that would kind of help because those things work. But when you had, when you were like maybe a little lazy spiritually or you were overtired, that that anger came rushing back in. Exactly. Uh, it was about the fifth year of our marriage. I realized that if I didn't get a handle on the anger, I was going to destroy our marriage. And I began to cry out to God about it. And he led me to begin to feed on the Word of God and develop my faith in the areas that that uh, specific scriptural promises that would help me develop uh, the fruit of the Spirit, as well as as having some way to uh, keep my faith energized, keep the anger from overwhelming me. And for years after that, it took about a year or two to develop in that, but during those following years, 
as long as I stayed strong in the Word and prayed up and didn't get lazy spiritually, I would sense that anger rising, but I would I would be able to at least control it. I wouldn't I wouldn't just go completely nuclear. I was able to suppress it, but I wasn't delivered from it. But when I began to come into an understanding of how to deal with the bloodline iniquity, uh, the Lord spoke to me one day, and uh, this would have been in 2017. Now, I've been in the ministry all these years, from 1977 to 2017, and had been uh, trying to keep this thing suppressed really through just willpower and staying on top of it with my my faith and prayer life but it like like you pointed out and i I share in the book if i ever got tired or lazy spiritually that thing would would rise up and i would i would lose control so when the lord spoke to me in the summer of 2017 and he said bring that anger issue before me in the court of heaven so i did and what he led me to do is simply repent. This was maybe five or ten minutes worth of prayer time. I repented for whatever it was in my in my family's generational past, both through my mom and my dad, for allowing anger to take root as an iniquity in the bloodline. And then I repented for my own yielding to it, and it received the work of the cross to deliver me from that iniquity and then just basically praise God for a little bit, 15 minutes at the most, and I was done. And so I could tell just in within myself something had changed, but over the next few weeks, I really didn't have anything that was strong enough to have triggered the anger, but here's here's the interesting part of this story. Two weeks after I did the repentance for the anger on the level of iniquity, I had dinner with my son, Grant. Now, my son, Grant, had exhibited the same behavior at the age of two that I did at the age of two, which was he would got down on his hands and knees one day when he got really frustrated and angry as a two-year-old and started beating his head in the floor like I did. My mother was standing there with me and my wife, Lori, and she said, that's what you used to do. Now, I didn't teach him that, not at two years of age. It was the bloodline iniquity was manifesting in him. Now, I didn't know that at the time, we knew that it wasn't of God, and my wife immediately took authority over it, and it it never did manifest that way from that point on. But he wasn't free from the anger. I was at, when we had dinner, and and this is just so fascinating to me. We were we were eating. This was two weeks after I got uh, free from uh, doing the repentance that I did. The Lord said, tell Grant what you did about the anger. So I did. Told him the whole story. He sat there for a minute and he said, uh, huh. He said, when did you do that, Dad? And I told him. It, had on a, it was a date about two weeks previous. And he went, huh. 
He said, that's the day that all the anger left me. He told me, he said, I would wake up every morning mad at the world for no reason, but but it was it was a driving force in his life. And on that day, he wasn't anywhere around me. He was he was probably 25 miles away from me where he lived. That anger left him when I got delivered of it. See, I'm going to tell you right now, and for all those who are listening, I, I, I don't know when the last time I heard something so powerful that ministered to me so much, probably because I have uh, kids. This is not a particular issue in my family, but, you know, we all have things we're dealing with. And for you to say, Bill, that when you repented and when you took care of business, that your own son, 25 miles away, was also set free of anger, that is huge. That is massive. That is such a tremendous uh, key to to having our children, our grandchildren set free. Just I just love that that happened. Now let me ask you this: so all these years you you went through this uh, anger and battling it, suppressing it, come back up, suppress it. You were set free in just moments. Yes. When you begin to put into practice what you have learned from God and. And, and from other teaching on the courts of heaven, when you took care of business, a lifetime of struggle was gone. Correct. And and uh, now let me let me put some pieces together and connect some dots here for everybody because I I want everybody to understand that in the past when I would get mad and blow my top and do and say things that I should never do under the pressure of of that anger. After that lifted, I felt like a dog. I felt I, I, I knew I had done something I shouldn't do. I mean, the, the, you're you're going to feel the conviction of having committed that sin, and I would confess that sin and would repent for my own actions, but I was not touching the root of it. I was just dealing with the act. And it was after I came into the understanding of of iniquity and that it does have a generational dimension to it, that was what the Lord had me repent of, which was the generational dimension of it and repent for whatever it was. I didn't know what it was, and it apparently was not important for me to know it other than that as a member of the family who was being victimized by this thing and as as representing my bloodlines I was able to repent for these the iniquity of anger that had been coming down generationally and by so doing my children were delivered from it the moment that that iniquity got cleansed out of my blood they were set free from it, and I and I, I'm just amazed at the freedom and the liberty. Now that was in 2017, and here it is 2020, and I haven't lost my temper and gone to the extremes that I used to go to since that day. It's a total different world for me where that's concerned. So let's talk to the people at home. Let's backtrack. You you listening, you've heard the powerful testimony, kind of the end of that story, and, and uh, Bill has a couple more where bloodline high blood pressure was broken, 
stronghold of back pain was broken. We may be able to get to those. But for those at home, talk about what is a bloodline iniquity? All right. Bloodline iniquity is essentially, um, I can describe it this way. When Adam sinned in the garden, the Word of God tells us in the New Testament that Eve was deceived, but Adam was not. And so the level of sin that Adam committed that threw the entire human race into subjection to sin and death was an act of self-will. And the root of all iniquity is self-will. You can find iniquity showing up for the first time in the history of the universe in Lucifer in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. It describes that iniquity was found in Lucifer when he was the archangel of God. And that iniquity, now that's in Ezekiel 28, the iniquity was uh, described in Isaiah 14 in that Lucifer was making declarations, five specific declarations that started each one of them with, I will be like the Most High. I will exalt my throne above the stars and the, and, and the, and the clouds. He was doing a self-willed, determined action, and that is iniquity. And Adam made a self-willed decision to step over into sin and death, knowing what he was doing. Now, that, that's the infection that infected the entire human race. And what the adversary has done over the generations is in, in families, there are certain behavioral traits and mindset patterns that have an iniquitous root, an entry point in the family where somebody out of self-will bowed their knee to demonic pressure, and that introduced a specific form of sin at the level of iniquity that began to be transferred generationally down the family. I can name a whole lot of things, but I, but because of the nature of what we're dealing with today in our society, one of the things that has an iniquitous root to it is homosexuality. That That is a, an iniquity that you can find the sexual perversion in the background of the family tree. I'm thinking of several situations right now that this was the case. You get rid of the iniquity, and you can break the back of that temptation to yield. It doesn't matter whether it's homosexuality, alcoholism, anger. You, you name anything that is a besetting sin, and it has an iniquitous root to it. So iniquity gives the devil the legal right to tempt to the point of essentially what happens is you yield to it to get the pressure off. So let me ask you this. Uh, well, th there you go. You just said you yield to it to take the pressure off. But how does somebody begin to know, hey, wait a second, I think I'm starting to realize that that's a generational problem. You know, uh, how, do you, how do you begin to define what is me yielding to the flesh in a certain area and what is a bloodline iniquity? simple. There is an element of iniquity that has a level of pressure 
and temptation to it that is very difficult. Now, it's not impossible to stand against it, but the nature of iniquity is is that, for instance, when I would be in situations where the anger would would just overtake me, Satan knew how to position me in circumstances where that temptation would be so strong. Sometimes I was able to suppress it, but many times I was unable to suppress it, and I would step over into the sin of anger without even realizing it. So it sounds like, Bill, that any area in our lives, no matter how old or young we are, any area in our lives that we are not overcoming, whether by sheer willpower and or you know renewing my mind, because you know as a pastor I, I see this all the time. Pastor, I, I've done that. I've prayed the prayers. I've 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 confessed the scriptures, and nothing changes, and I'm still sick, and I'm still dealing with lust, and I'm still. It sounds like to me that the bloodline iniquity is something that you haven't been able to. Uh, overcome and deal with uh, maybe your whole life. Exactly. And so let me show you something else that also was afflicting my son that I got set free of when I got born again, and that is this issue of alcoholism. When when my son, who uh, he, when coming out of high school, he got in the Marines and served four years in the Marines. Then he went into the reserves for a year, and now he's uh, still active in the National Guard. But he he became susceptible to the temptation of drinking and getting drunk and, and all the same things that he was entering into was what I had gotten involved in as a teenager, and as I said before, alcoholism was a problem in both sides of my family, both my mother and my father. There was a history of all of that. Even though there was no alcohol in the home when I was raised as a child, that iniquity made me think about wanting to get drunk and drink alcohol Regardless, it was a temptation that wasn't even, there wasn't any alcohol in the home that I was raised in, but I thought about it all the time. When I got older, actually I wasn't even old enough, at the age of 12, I went in and, and got a bottle of cooking sherry, that is just not something you want to drink to get drunk with, but I did it because that, that iniquity was driving me at the age of 12. And... By the time I was 16 years of age, I was already a borderline alcoholic. Now, that's iniquity. That's not something that's normal. Right. It's not, it's not something, and those are the types of things that you're, you're uh, looking for in your family. I'll tell you another thing. Pornography, I got exposed to pornography at the age of eight. And I, I had to battle that well on into my adult years after I was in into the ministry. And that was something else that was completely and totally eradicated when I brought that before the Lord and repented of it at the level of dealing with the iniquity of it. It was my step-grandfather that was... Uh, was uh, the one who was had all the, the pornography. So it was a family issue. So there's things that people that are listening to, Bill, that they're dealing with 
that have nothing to do with what they have done personally to get them in that situation. But because of bloodline iniquity, they find this overwhelming temptation to do things that they don't want to do. Exactly. And you, you teach so good. Talk about your book, Breaking the Stronghold of Iniquity. Uh, what, what are people going to receive? I mean, I know, I know what I saw and read. Uh, what are people that are going to, what are they going to receive from this uh, brand new book? Well, I think the the biggest thing that if you read the book, you're going to become aware of the fact that um, a lot of things that you personally may be dealing with or you see your family members, and particularly uh, if you're a parent, you see things that are going on with your children and you're thinking, how is how could they get involved in that? How could they, you know, what's behind they're yielding to this. This is this is not. We didn't teach them this. We didn't raise them this way. All of those types of things. You're going to begin to understand where these uh, behavioral patterns that are not normal for a Christian environment uh, are things that are besetting sins and things that that you just seemingly can't get a uh, get on top of and defeat it. Those are the things that you can now begin to understand that, and it's kind of funny, uh, my son-in-law Kelsey and I were talking about the title of the book before we ever actually determined um, the book publisher, Destiny Image, was the one that that came up with the title, but um, we were thinking a good title for the book would have been, It's Not My Fault. (laughs) I like that. I like that. See, to be honest with you, Bill, when we were born, not born again, but when we were born, uh, you know, God has a plan and a purpose, but we're coming into a world uh, generationally that, like you said, we, we didn't ask for some of this. And people listening, I, I really feel like that ministered to you 
when, when he said it's not your fault. Now, there's certain things that you do that is your fault. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about things that you've struggled with since you were a child, and you're like, how in the world have I been dealing with this for 52 years? Well, that's why you have to get a hold of this teaching, because it's going to open your eyes to what you have to do, the revelation, and how you can change. And Bill, you have a a brand new exclusive CD set for us called Seven Steps to Freedom. And I'm telling you, uh, Bill walks you through this entire process step by step. So at the end of the CD series, you're like, okay, I got this. I'm going to do it. It didn't take Bill 15 years of, of working through it after he understood that I just got to break the stronghold of iniquity. And now, Bill, would you tell us uh, briefly about the legality of words and how that all plays in with this? Yes. Um, and a lot of the teaching that um, about generational curses and those types of things, generational curses are actually connected to generational iniquity. But one of the legal things that the enemy uses in order to keep things moving generationally down the family tree is that you begin to use words and language within the family that, again, are granting the devil, the legal right to keep pushing things down the line. You'll you'll hear it, and and I know a lot of people will witness with this. Well, heart trouble just runs in our family. Well, I, and I've even had to deal with this in in my own family, the the extended family, my my aunts and uncles and and grandparents. There are certain physical maladies that people recognize run in the family, but most of that generational sickness is connected to some type of iniquity and the thing that legally keeps it going down the family tree is everybody gets to confessing and talking about it and claiming it. So it's it's an unarguable fact that the Word of God speaks about the importance and the power of our words. Words are legal in nature. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, by your words you are justified and by your words you are condemned. And these are, these are spiritual laws that when you begin to work them against your own self or against your own family, Satan moves in on that because it gives him a legal right to begin to do things that if you weren't talking that way, that door would be shut to him. So we've got to learn how to get our words to align and agree with the Word of God. And also, for the New Testament believer, it says in Hebrews chapter 12, 22 through 24, that the blood is still speaking. Jesus' blood, even right now, is speaking our deliverance, our redemption, our healing. And we need to learn how to get our words to agree with the testimony of the blood. So good. I want to talk about one more area before we have you pray for the people at home that are listening. You talk about the mystery of iniquity. You already talked about that, but you talk about it in, a, in light of the statute of limitations. What, what are you referring to there? All right. In the, um, and I, I do have this in the CD set uh, that people will be able to get a hold of. 
the there is a statute of limitations that God actually put on Satan's ability to enforce this aspect of iniquity, and it goes to the third and the fourth generation. According to uh, Genesis 6-3, God established the span of life for man to be 120 years. So using that as the baseline, three to four generations right now would take you back into about the early 1600s, late 1500s, probably your great-great-grandparents. So you're talking about something here that uh, Satan can't go all the way back to Adam, in other words, and enforce something that you would have no way of determining or finding out where it came from. We generally are dealing with iniquitous things that are within that, uh, in particularly the third generation and, and closer to your time period. And at least in my own experience, the things that I've had to deal with uh, that were iniquitous in the family bloodline don't go much farther than even the second generation. But there's an occasional situation where it it may go back one or two more to the fourth generation, but those are those are the limitations that God has established in his word. And so you're not having to be concerned about stuff that happened back way back in even Old Testament times. Even though your bloodline can be traced that far back, Satan can't go that far back and dig up something to use against you. Because of what the Word says about how far it can go back. Exactly. So, Bill, then let me ask you this. Let, let's say, uh, I'll just pick on my own life. My grandfather was a severe alcoholic. Uh, my dad... Uh, got saved before he went to Vietnam, and, you know, alcohol was everywhere, but he he didn't touch it. It didn't affect him at all. And alcohol uh, has never been an issue in my own life. But alcohol was a severe problem uh, before my father. So is there still in the bloodline a an issue that's got to be dealt with so it doesn't uh, happen to my son or my grandchildren? Exactly, yes. And there's a spiritual and a scientific uh, way of describing that, and I do mention this in my book. Uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf, in her book, uh, Switch on Your Brain, even mentions how you can have a predisposition for things that are con- that came generationally, but yet the genes are not energized to cause that behavior to show up in maybe your generation or the generation before you, but the, but given the right set of circumstances, and again, referring back to what we were just talking about, words, uh, words can actually turn those genes on even if it has not manifested in a generation or two. Because in a sense, uh, what I hear you saying is it's lying dormant until the enemy can get in there uh, and, and stir that thing up again. Exactly, and that's another way that he attempts to keep things hidden. Well, that's good. That's so good. Bill, there is so much to this. It's so powerful. It's wonderful. I see that my time is running out, and I could keep going on and on. I love the way you teach this. I think every single person 
uh, listening should get this. And I don't think I've ever said that before. I think everybody should get everything that we offer because we believe in it. But this has to be dealt with because you that are listening, it's time for you to be free, your children free, your grandchildren. No more putting up with the enemy all these years for the same old thing over and over. In fact, it just came in my spirit about divorce. And and people, there's bloodline curses, a bloodline iniquity of divorce. And ma'am, sir, you don't have to be divorced. Your kids don't have to be divorced. And, and so I, this teaching applies right to that very area, financially, every area. Bill, would you pray for the people at home? Yes, I'll be happy to. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just stand right now before you as both the righteous judge and as our Redeemer. And I hold up before you right now every person that is listening to this broadcast who has been struggling with iniquity and besetting sins, and they know they have a right to be free, but they don't have any idea how to apprehend it and bring it into manifestation in their lives. And they see things in their family. They know that you paid the price, Lord, not only for their deliverance, but for the freedom of their family. And I just stand right now before you, Lord, and would ask that you would accept my repentance on their behalf, according to 1 John chapter 5, where you said that if we see a brother sin a sin that's not unto death, that we could ask life for them. Lord, so many situations right now just need, so, need someone to stand in the gap and to intercede and ask life. And I do that right now for every single person that is struggling with iniquitous roots of sin and transgression that they have no clue how to deal with. Lord, you bore our iniquities at Calvary. You bore our sin and transgression at Calvary. And I claim right now that you will bring the revelation and the understanding into the hearts and the minds of every person that is listening to this broadcast today and that they would see and know of a surety that they have a right not only to have received deliverance themselves, but to bring deliverance and cleansing of iniquity in their entire our family in Jesus name I thank you Lord that the Holy Spirit will even grant them the the delight and the revelation to rise up even in the strength of hearing this word today and stand before you and repent for those generational behaviors that they know are not of you and to see your blood and to see your Holy Spirit cleanse that out of the generational bloodline so that they and their children can go free even today lord we thank you for it and you praise you for it in jesus name amen amen and you've been listening to messianic vision with our guest bill dennington and now here's to tell you how you can get this special resource too many christians have been delayed hindered and denied from enjoying the fruits of what Jesus obtained for them. In his brand new book, Breaking the Stronghold of Iniquity, Bill Dennington shares out of his personal journey to find freedom from the spirit of anger which held him prisoner throughout his life. It is an exclusive three CD set, Seven Steps to Freedom. Bill explains step by step how this iniquity 
is generational sin in the bloodline, and there are specific things that open the doors for iniquity to be visited from one generation to the next. It's not just anger. It's any addiction you have. It's any problem you have, from overeating to pornography. And this is the key for freedom that so few believers understand. Bill explains how iniquity is generational sin in the bloodline, and there are specific things that open the door for iniquity to be visited from one generation to the next. You're not being held guilty for what your forefathers may have done in generations past, who, frankly, you don't even know them and don't know what they did. You can be suffering the effects of their iniquitous actions because the legal rights the adversary may be using to enforce the curse is taking effect whether you know it or not. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. In these life-changing CDs, Bill Dennington has you follow seven simple steps to guide and assist you in securing your freedom from generational iniquity. Call now for Bill Dennington's brand-new book, Breaking the Stronghold of Iniquity, and his exclusive three-CD set, Seven Steps to Freedom, for an investment of $35. U.S. Bill Dennington's brand-new book, Breaking the Stronghold of Iniquity, an exclusive three-CD set, Seven Steps to Freedom, offer number 9684, for an investment of $35. U.S. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. Once again, that's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 9684. Once again, that's offer number 9684.